0: Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing like I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than this. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they, how are they related, how are they different, let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do, can we go listen to it, if there's some kind of demo, and then, because I hate, I hate just, like, throwing up, like, any old cymbal, snare and whatever, um, building a kit, and then going to listen to the song, you know, like, oh, well, I wouldn't. Here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. And when you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer is getting sad. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible. And A measure of 4-4, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5 You break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever. But it's a a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 56. Today is going to be a fun one because we are going to unpack the newest lesson on DrumMantra.com the latest invention and post called oceans it is a groove meditation in seven and the members are working hard on it right now and i'm going to take you through every single exercise in this pack the members have access to the pdfs and mp3s and their assignment is and this is a hard one this is a really hard one is to complete all 18 exercises the first person to complete all 18 exercises will win a Sabian, a brand new Sabian crash symbol that I have not even opened yet. It's still in a box. It was shipped to me from Sabian. It's uh, an HHX series crash. The box looks like it could be an 18 inch crash, but it's going to be at least a 17 or 16 inch crash. I'll know as soon as I open the box, but the first person to complete this lesson series in the members area will get that crash symbol and everyone else that will complete the series will get a free drum mantra t-shirt each month there is a featured lesson in the members area and there are prizes awarded to anyone that can complete those exercises that's kind of an incentive that i am providing to encourage people to really get serious about their practice because that's what it's all about. The exercises that I write and put into the drum mantra area are polymetric coordination exercises that challenge your mind and your body to go beyond what's normal on a normal gigging situation. I want you to have a deep understanding of polymetric relationships, I want you to have a deep understanding of coordination, and I want you to have a deep understanding of the importance of repetition because that's where the muscle memory comes from. Before we get into oceans, I want to acknowledge the sponsor for this podcast. I call it the sponsor for this podcast because the funding from the Drum Mantra 3030 course is what makes it possible for me to Carve time out of my day and to come here and create a podcast for everybody. So, thank you to all the people who have taken the 3030. It's an amazing course. And I've mentioned this before, but over 40 countries around the world have drummers that are doing the 3030 course. And people are loving it. It's a really cool deep dive into a 30 minute lesson every day for 30 days. You get to keep the course forever but it is a series of 30-minute practice sessions that you just mimic so it's a video of me playing the exercise and the the exercise is written into the video but there's also a downloadable PDF every day so at the end of 30 days you have a 200 page downloadable PDF and you will have completed the exercises that take you through four, four, three, four, and 5-4 you learn the three to four polymetric relationship, and you do a lot of crazy things with it. You learn the five to four polymetric relationship and do a lot of crazy things with it. You really get to work on your reading with 24 different rhythmic melody passages that you have to work on a lot with a lot of different treatments. And then you also are... Another feature that I keep forgetting about is the one BPM increment change exercises. So there are several lessons during the course that train you to to recognize and to feel what a 1 BPM change is. So you'll play a 32 measure long passage at 87 BPM, and then you'll repeat it, and the next time it's 88 BPM, and then you repeat it again, and then it's 89 BPM, and you do that eight times, so you're, you're feeling 1 BPM metronome changes, and... It's crazy how apparent it is, and I actually had some experiences early on with the thirty thirty when I was doing these exercises. I try to do these exercises as often as I can. I go through it every once in a while with students, and now it's an it's an open course. It used to be only three times a year I would open it, but right now it's completely open. You can sign up for it anytime, and you can start it anytime. Um, just experimenting with how that feels and, and how that works for people. And There are about 20 people that are... That are in it at different points in the course right now. So so that's cool. So when I would work on it, I would do these one BPM increments. And then I was at a gig on a gig that wasn't using a click and the singer turned around and, you know, sometimes singers aren't really sure what they're saying when it comes to exact metronomic tempo markings and stuff. But uh, the singer turned around and said, can we bump this up? 2 bpm. Now, she's a professional singer in town and and she knows that that is just just going to give it a little bit of edge, just a little bit of energy. And I said, "Sure." And now I have a I do have a metronome on the gig. I just don't have a click in my ear when we're doing it. So I'm I was checking metronome markings. So uh without changing my metronome, I just just you know, embodied the feeling of 2bpm faster which is very minimal if you haven't spent much time on metronome markings 2bpm is almost indetectable now when you have worked on it it's you can you can sense it so so I counted the band off 2bpm faster as my sense told me and we played the tune she was happy I look at the metronome and sure enough, we went up exactly two BPM. And that was a very proud moment for me because I realized that all this work that I've been doing was seeping into my body. And that's when I realized this muscle memory thing is for real. And really paying attention when you're when you're, you know, you're in the motion of the exercises and really being aware of the BPM changes, that stuff sinks into you and it comes out in the professional situations when it's time, and it's amazing. So the Drum Mantra 3030, you can find out more about that on drummantra.com. You can sign up anytime you'd like. It's a super cool course. You can interact with me at any moment, and I'm always adding little things into it. So you might find a surprise here and there, little video um, expansions on some of the exercises. I'm starting to kind of add some things here and there as I feel as I see fit. So uh, that could be fun for you. And if you'd like to do it, check it out. Okay, oceans. This is a lesson pack that I actually created back in the spring of 2019 when I was preparing for a clinic at Vic's Drum Shop in Chicago. Anytime I do a big clinic, I want to create something new for myself to work on that I can present at the clinic. And so I gave myself, I only had just, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks to work on this, and I didn't have a lot of time, but, you know, over the course of a couple weeks, I probably worked on it a few hours in preparation for the clinic. I made it through, let's see here, I'm looking at it right now, I made it through exercise six at the clinic. I could not go further, because at the time, you know, if one little thing gets out of place, the whole thing falls apart, so... There's 12 exercises. I made it to number 6. I've been working on it a little bit here and there from April until now. And uh, I finally was able to play everything well enough to film it and post it as the grand finale for 2019, the final month of the year, the lesson of the month, Oceans. Because this is a hard one, as I mentioned before, I'm awarding any of my members... A pretty big prize, like a symbol worth, I don't know, 250 bucks or something to anyone that can complete this. So that's a pretty big prize, but I know it's a lot of work, and anyone that works hard enough to get this thing happening in one month's time deserves a big award, a big reward from me. So that is that. If you want to get into the membership and also be part of this, you're more than welcome to join us at DrumMantra.com. You can come in. And there's always, there's about, oh gosh, there's probably about 30 hours worth of stuff to work on, but I always have a featured lesson of the month. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to kind of focus on for that particular month. And this one is Oceans. This lesson pack is in 7-8. And this is the first one I've done in 7. I've been asked by several of my students if I could create something in 7. I've avoided it for a very long time because seven has some implications about it that can get kind of tricky because it's such a long cycle. Five is a, the cycle of five sixteenth notes is just a little bit longer than a quarter note, which is still, you can still feel it, you can still sense it. Seven is one and three quarters of a quarter note. Or of a chord note. So if you play the down, if you're in 7 4 and you're playing every 7th 16th note, you would play the downbeat, you'd play the uh of 2, you'd play the and of 4, and you'd play the e of 6. And that brings you back. So you're playing, if you're playing every seven sixteenth 16th notes, you're going to play four big hits over the span of a measure of 7 4 time. That gets pretty. Wide, pretty expansive. There's a lot of space between those hits. And quite honestly, I don't feel like I'm completely ready to dive into really dissecting all the things that you can do with seven, the big seven of seven, four. And my interest in in creating polymetric relationship exercises, where you're playing groupings of threes and groupings of fives and groupings of fours at the same time, that in itself creates a 15-measure-long phrase that doesn't repeat for 15 measures of 4-4. So when you add 7 in there, things become exponentially bigger, and all of a sudden exercises are lasting, well, let's see, 7 and 3 is 21 and 4. It would be a 21-measure-long phrase of 4-4. 21-measure pattern that does not repeat, that's a long time. So I'm just getting comfortable with 15-measure-long patterns 21 might be the next step for me but I decided to create an exercise pack in 7/8 because then we're taking out all the the distance between the big hits of every 7/16th notes we're we're confining things into 7/8 notes which is a very manageable amount of time and the thing that I love about 7 is what you can do with things that go with seven, different ostinatos that can go across the bar line in seven. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I don't like to use the word against. So I'll never say playing groupings of four against groupings of seven. I don't think that against is a good word because I think everything should be with. So what we're doing in Oceans is we're playing 12 different ride ostinatos with a ostinato groove that's in 7-8. And this was really inspired by, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with the album called Ten Summoner's Tales by Sting, I can't remember when that came out. It came out, gosh, a long time ago. I should look it up. Let me look it up. Sting's Ten Summoner's Tales. Let's see here. Ten Summoner's Tales. Wow, came out in 1993. So in 1993, a lot of us were in college. A lot, Well, a lot of us, everyone I went to college with was in college. <laughs> we were at North Texas, University of North Texas, studying intensely. And all of a sudden, Ten Summoner's Tales come out. And Vinny's playing the drums. And oh my gosh, these pop songs are in odd time signatures. They're in five, they're in seven. And listen how Vinny is playing pop music in odd time signatures, but still making it like able to be on the radio. It was a crazy mind explosion for many drummers because Vinny all of a sudden is playing stuff that is extremely controlled and simple sounding, but at the same time, very complex. And he is such a master. I mean, pretty much hands down, across the board, around the world, we hail Vinny as the best drummer on the planet. And I know that's always weird to say the best, but he is just a master of so many things. A master of groove, a master of feel, a master of sound, a master of tone, a master of accuracy, and then there's the whole other spectrum of his ability to play polyrhythmic density and polymetric density. He's, he's just a master of all those things, so I have no problem saying G-O-A-T for Vinny. Although there are many drummers who are highly inspirational and can play amazing things. But even they would say Vinny's the guy. So there's 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 my my spiel on him. So what he was doing in the Sting stuff, and I, I can't put this on my podcast because the last time I put just two seconds of something on my podcast, they got flagged. So I can't put any of Ten Sumner's Tales on the podcast. But go listen to the album. If you haven't heard it, go listen to the record and check out what Vinny's doing. So if he's playing in seven, don't go duck. To get, don't to cat don't to cat to don't to cat want to three four five six and seven want to three don't to cat and then he's playing quarter notes don't to cat don't 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 do cat. to don't do to don't to cat don't to cat don't do a don't to cat don't all of a sudden he's playing quarter notes on the ride symbol and you're hearing downbeats for a measure and then all of a sudden the same quarter note is has become the upbeats for a measure, because when you're 7-8, you've knocked one of the eighth notes off of a 4-4 four, four measure, which turns it into a, quote, odd measure, which means not even, not divisible by two. So a quarter note is on the downbeats, and then it's on the upbeats, and then it's on the downbeats, and then it's on the upbeats, and it just gives this amazing feel. So my, my fascination with that, when that record came out, and then working on that and then you know, learning how to do that myself, but not really having the opportunity to play that music very often. I mean, the only time you might play that kind of stuff is if you're playing one of those songs, and it's rare that you're going to play one of those songs. Luckily, I play with musicians in Chicago who actually do call some of those tunes from Ten Sumners Tales that we play in an instrumental setting, so it works out really well because we get to play... Seven Days, which is in five. And it's track six, by the way. Little trivia for you. A song that's in five, it it's track six and it's called Seven Days. I always thought that was a clever, clever thing. I don't know if it was on purpose, but it was something I was like, oh my gosh, secret to the universe hidden on a sting album. So what I did with Oceans is I kind of upped the game a little bit because I added another element to the whole thing. So In Oceans, the groove is, and I'll play it for you, here's the groove. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So what I did to the groove is I added a dotted eighth note in the hi-hat. A dotted eighth note is a three-note grouping of sixteenth notes, so three sixteenth note grouping. A dotted eighth note is non-native to 7-8, which means it does not resolve within one measure. It takes three measures of the dotted eighth note to resolve back to the beginning of the cycle when you're in 7-8. Same is true if you're in 4-4, if you're in 11, anything that's not divisible by three, it's going to take three measures for that dotted eighth note to cycle around and come back to the downbeat at the beginning of the measure. A dotted eighth note is native to 3-4. It is native to 9-8. It is native to 12-8. It's native to 15-8. It's actually native to 21-8. Now the funny thing is, 21-8 is three measures of 7-8. So there's a, there you go. So if you make a one measure of 21-8, which would be horrendous to try to read, then the dotted eighth note is native. But in its smallest subdivision, which is one measure of seven, eight times three, you're in the three measure cycle. Anyway, here is what the groove sounds like with a dotted eighth note in the hi-hat. I'll let it play for a little while so it settles in. Just listen to how everything swerves around each other. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one. Okay, so as you can see, that's a little bit crazy, right? Three-way coordination between the kick, the snare, and the hi-hat with the foot. Once you get that pattern together, once you get that coordination happening, then you can start adding in the different ride cymbal variations, of which there are 12. So in the lesson series, you would do the groove that you heard, just kick and snare, and then you would do hi-hat and snare, and then you would do hi-hat and bass drum, and then you would do all three, and now you're ready to add the ride cymbal. So there's, there's a few different variations of just getting the coordination together between your limbs before you're ready to dive into the ride cymbal variations. Like I said, there are 12 ride cymbal variations. The first variation is simply 16th notes on the ride cymbal. And when you're playing 16th notes on a ride cymbal, everything else is in duple time. So you're subdividing by 16ths in the groove. Boom, boom, got, boom, got, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E, one e and, a two e and a three E and a four E, one. So everything's on the 16th note grid. So those 16th notes on the ride, everything else falls right in it. It's very... It's very in the pocket, so that works. Now, the way that the phrases work musically, because the play-alongs are what carry you through this exercise series. Like we saw a minute ago, the dotted eighth note creates a three-measure long phrase, but I wanted to make this a little bit more musical, so I turned it into a six-measure long phrase. So each of the different permutations is a six-measure long musical phrase and then each permutation will last four times. So it's a 24 long measure long exercise performance. So as you're doing these, as you're listening to these, and if you want to try to play them, you're playing a six measure long phrase four times in a row per ride symbol variation. So let's just go through those and, and listen to them. Um, let these seep in. It's it's you know i'm a little i was a little hesitant to play the entire length of the 24 measure long phrase for each of these it only takes about 55 seconds to hear that long of a phrase and i think i that it's worth just letting it seep in so i'm going to go ahead and play all 12 of these phrases for you and just let them soak in as you're listening to this if you're if you're driving don't get too distracted by what's going on, because that can happen with these weird polymetric phrases. You can get, it can suck you into a world where you don't even know what's going on outside in the real world, so make sure you're in a situation where you're not going to um, endanger yourself in any way with the polymeter. Okay, so here we go. The very first one, 16th notes on the ride cymbal, and you're actually going to hear the music this time. That goes with the play along, with the exercise. Okay, here we go. symbol might feel a little bit fast, but you know what? You got to do it. You got to push it. You got to push that hard. The whole, the whole balance of being able to play with relaxation, but also playing fast, that's, that's a challenge. So there are two different ways to practice. When you're practicing something, you can work on your accuracy and your time by slowing it down. The slower you practice something, the more accurate you're going to be and the better your time is going to be. When you work, want to work on endurance and relaxation, you're going to practice at fast tempos because when you're playing fast, the only way that you can continue fast is to stay relaxed. And staying relaxed is done through breathing, through lots of repetition, so you're very familiar, so you're not trying to project forward, what am I going to do next, what am I going to do next? You, you, when you learn something very well, and it's very much part of you, things feel like they slow down in your mind. you probably experienced that. When you first play something with a band that it's a new song, it might feel like it's really fast and frantic because you're trying to get through the song. But after you've done it a bunch of times, it almost feels like it's happening in slow motion, even though the tempo hasn't changed. So practicing fast requires relaxation. Relaxation happens through breathing and repetition. When you want to practice accuracy and time, you go slow because when you're slow, there's a better chance of missing the exact location of where you're supposed to play. So that's something to think about too. That's not what we're talking about today. That's just a little philosophical piece of insight for you. Okay, let's go to the next ride symbol variation. Here's where that Vinny thing kind of comes into play over-the-bar line kind of vibe. We're going to go 1 and a 2 and a 3 and a 4, 1-E e and, 2-E and, 3-E e and, 4-E, 1 and a 2 and a 3 and a 4, 1-E e and, 2-E and, 3-E e and, 4-E. So the pattern's just dung, da-ga-dong, da the whole time, but the counting flip-flops back and forth because we're in 7-8 and we're mainly accenting a quarter note. Here we go, check it out. So the next one, number three, is straight eighth notes. One and two and three and four, one and two and three and four, one. So it's just seven eighth notes straight across the bar. Very simple. Everything divides right into it. There's no over the bar line stuff. Here's what that one sounds like. Okay, check this one out. Number four is a crazy one because the ride cymbal is now going to play dotted eighth notes right with the hi-hat. So when you have the ride cymbal doubling the hi-hat and they're both playing dotted eighth notes, it gives us very... It really tries to push you hard into thinking that you might be in some kind of triple meter sort of thing like a 12-8, a 9-8, actually 21-8 or whatever that gives you this sense of duck a to duh 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 da So check this one out, it's pretty cool. this next one is just straight quarter notes, only quarter notes. And like I said in the very beginning, a quarter note turns around every measure of 7-8. Downbeats, upbeats, downbeats, upbeats. Six measure long phrase repeated four times. Here we go. Now is when things get really crazy. This is as far as I could get in that clinic I did back in the spring. The ride cymbal is now playing groupings of five. Every fifth, sixteenth note, the ride cymbal plays. So now you are playing in seven, eight with a dotted eighth note, which implies three. And the hand is playing in five. So you're now playing in three different time signatures at the same time. The pattern does not repeat every six measures. So you're going to hear the ride symbol starting back over on its five note grouping at the beginning of each six measure long phrase. All right, here we go. Let's check it out. Yep, I was pretty proud of myself when I could do that, but uh, the next one is where it all fell apart. So when you're doing big five, is what I say, the big five every fifth, sixteenth note you're hitting, that is what I call a cell, C-E-L-L. That's a a five-note cell. A five-note skeleton is when you're playing the bones of that cell. 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3. Instead of going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you're going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 1. You're dividing things into twos and threes, or threes and twos. 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 1. But in this particular instance, we are going to go 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3. So it's still a five-note grouping, but we're playing the skeleton this time of the ride symbol pattern. Let's check it out. That's a tricky one. That's when you really have to be on all cylinders firing perfectly to get that stuff happening, the coordination perfect in there. But it's doable. I did it, and I'm hoping that there are more people that will be able to do it. I know some people are working on it. If you're listening to this, I can't wait to hear your performance of these exercises. All right, the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five are all divisible by seven. So we kind of get to relax a little bit on these last ones, sort of. Um, The very first grouping of seven is just simply the cell of seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's check that one out. Here we go. Okay, so that's not as complex as the five. There's still some trickiness to it, but because the seven divides the measure in half, it falls pretty evenly at the beginning of each measure. Fairly doable. But now let's hear what the skeleton of seven sounds like. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ba, da, 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 da. Here we go. busy but still because it's in seven it all falls at the beginning of each measure so it's less to digest it falls in an even cool seven beat phrase the only thing weird about it is the dotted eighth note swirls through and takes you three measures to resolve the next one is just a variation of seven we're gonna play the downbeat the of one the of two and the and of three it sounds like this 1-E e and a 2-E and a 3-E e and a 4-E. 1-E e and a 2-E and a 3-E e and a 4-E. 1-E e and a 2-E and a... uh, 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 uh. Let's check that one out. Here we go. Another variation is downbeat, beat two, the uh of two, and the uh of three. One e and a two e and a three e and a four. One e and a two e and a three e and a four e. It almost sounds like a songo or a bion bass drum. Doom, 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 doom. But we're in seven, we're not in two. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, sounding one it's fun to play too here's the final one is downbeat e and uh of beat two beat four one e and a two e and a three e and a four e one e and a two e and a three e and a four e one it's almost like a really strange stretched out shuffle It's amazing the rhythmic illusions you can create when you do evenly spread rhythms across an odd time signature bar. It gives you these sensations of some other pattern that's happening, but there's a little little wobbliness to it that you can't quite define. Well, here it is. You're in an odd time signature. So evenly spaced things across an odd time signature is going to give you the illusion that you're playing something that you might not be. Now, if you're really comfortable listening to stuff in 7-8 or playing in 7-8, it might sound totally different. To be honest, I'm not so comfortable in 7-8 that I can just hear everything that happens in it. I still have to think about it a little bit, but these exercises definitely help. So let's listen to this final one. Here we go. so there are all the exercises of Oceans, all 12 ride cymbal permutations across the bar line with the 7-8 groove in the snare and bass drum and the dotted eighth note in the hi-hat. It's a complex lesson pack. It's the most advanced thing I've put into the website and um, I have some other things coming down the pike too that aren't going to be too much easier. They may even be a little harder. But uh, I think this is a great great one to end the year, and like I said, I've had a lot of interest coming out from this one, so it made me feel good about talking about it on this podcast as well. Okay, well, if you want to know more, you can always contact me at drummantra at gmail.com. You can find me on the socials on either the Drum Mantra channels or the rich stitzel music channels on instagram or facebook or wherever you like to go twitter um, you know wherever okay well happy practicing i wish you all the best and if you could send a little good energy to the members of drum mantra as they attempt all of these exercises they have a month to do it i hope there's a winner i hope i get to give this rides this crash symbol away to somebody It will be very exciting to do that. And uh, I wish everyone the best. I'm going to leave you with the actual performance of this piece, which is what, after the people post each exercise, they're going to have to post this entire performance, which is one time through each permutation. So every six measures, the ride symbol changes. That is a challenge in in itself, because when you're changing that quickly, You've really got to stay on your game. You can't zone out and and just get comfortable to the pattern. So here is the final performance. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.